I do want to welcome all those joining us online today. And last Sunday, as we're going through the book of Luke, the New Testament book of Luke, we saw the baptism of Jesus. And so what I'd like to do today is just take a look at what does it mean to follow Jesus in water baptism? As you read through the New Testament, what you find is there's two ceremonies that Jesus commands the church to observe, communion and water baptism. We usually try to take communion together as a church body once a month. And then otherwise, in a regular service, we have opportunity for communion and communion stations where people can, as a part of their time of worship and on a Sunday morning, participate in communion. And now today, what I want to do is just talk about water baptism. I talked about the Great Commission. We find it in Matthew chapter 28. And what Jesus is giving a final command to the disciples before he ascends to heaven. And he tells them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. So this is the command of Christ. Baptism is not only an inherent part of the Great Commission, go and baptize, but it's as important as the Great Commission itself. According to the Bible, when a person is saved, they are to be baptized. This is what we have in the Scripture And yet what we find is there are many believers who have not been baptized in water since they believed. And the question is, why is that? How does that happen? Why does that happen? And as far as I can tell, there are five general reasons why someone who calls himself a Christian, they fail to become water baptized. So I want to run through those this morning. The first is this, that a person may fail to realize the importance and the priority of water baptism. They may fail to realize the importance and the priority of water baptism. That's the first reason. In other words, these individuals, they've not been baptized in water because they've never understood what the Bible says about it. They don't know much about it. They they don't understand the priority of it. They don't know it's a command, the importance of it, and the importance for their life. So it's been relegated to something you do when you think you're ready. I hear that often. Or when you feel like doing it, or when it's convenient rather than something the Bible makes clear as an absolute priority and an essential part of discipleship in the life of a believer. Well, secondly, there are some who are more committed to tradition than to the Word of God. They're more committed to tradition than the Word of God. They or their family belong to a church tradition that did infant baptism. And so for them, the idea of being baptized in many respects is a departure from tradition And certainly there's a sense of almost feeling like they're abandoning their family if they're going to be water baptized. Uh, My dad, I've shared in the church context that he was uh, baptized as an infant, sprinkled as an infant, but otherwise he didn't grow up in the church. So when he made a decision to follow Jesus as a teenager, he saw the scriptural priority for water baptism. And so when he made that decision, when he surrendered his life to Christ, he said, I want to be baptized. And so he was baptized. So then the question comes in, what about infant baptism? Well, infant baptism and sprinkling, let me tell you, right out of the gates, it's not found in the Bible. Until the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church, they baptized infants by immersion. Then at the Council of Ravenna in 1311, they affirmed baptism by sprinkling. So as we look at this, what was done in response to the Roman Catholic teaching, again, this is not found in the Bible, so this is why they started doing infant baptism is because they taught that through water baptism, an infant is cleansed from original sin. This is why they started doing infant baptism. 
And I'll tell you, the question could come in, well, what is original sin? Number one, we believe in original sin. Basically, when Adam sinned, all of the human race became sinners. In other words, we don't become a sinner once we sin, we have a sin nature in us, which is why we sin. It's a standard equipment at birth. Psalm 51.5, it reads, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Another translation says, I was born in sin. That's just basically how we've been created since Adam sinned. So that baby, though seemingly innocent, if you have a baby and you understand sometimes they have a self-centered rage and it would be dangerous if they were an adult, right? That's just innate. That's a part of our human nature. Uh, They do that because of sin nature. The Roman Catholic Church, they taught that infant baptism cleansed them from original sin. If only that were true. Roman Catholic theology teaches that if a baby isn't baptized, then it dies and it goes to a place called the limbo of the innocents, where the baby will live forever, enjoying a natural bliss, but without a vision for God. This is present doctrine, which is sad to think that a child could be in that state for eternity. And this is not what's biblical at all. We understand that because when King David's son died, if you're reading through the Live Dead Joy, this is a part of your reading this last week. When his son died, here's what David said. I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. I'll go to him one day. Why? Because in other words, David understood in heaven, he would be reunited with that son. And it is the hope of every parent who has lost a child through miscarriage or any other means that someday we get to be reunited with them, with Jesus. What a joy. That's what the Bible teaches. Because of the grace of God, which has nothing to do with baptism of an infant. You know, the Bible says nothing about babies being baptized. There's nothing in the New Testament about salvation apart from a personal faith in Jesus. There's no infant baptism in the Old or in the New Testaments. It isn't commanded. It isn't illustrated. It's simply not there. Well, people will say, if I was baptized as an infant, should I be re-baptized? And here's what I tell them. Look, if you are not baptized according to the New Testament, according to what it has to say, you make a personal decision to follow Jesus, and then you're baptized. If you've not done that, doesn't matter if you've been baptized a thousand times as an infant or if you were born in the ocean, you need to be baptized. You know, people ask about a re-baptism, but they they ask that because they've never had a believer's baptism. That's what baptism is. You believe and you are baptized. And that's why you need to be baptized. A third reason why people don't get baptized is because of pride. They've gone so long without being baptized, now they're embarrassed to do it. Uh, For example, a person makes a decision to follow Jesus at age 18. For whatever reason, they're never baptized. They spend years in the church getting involved, becoming connect group leaders or serving in the church in various leadership roles, and then it becomes seemingly awkward to get baptized. I've encountered that. For them to all of a sudden to stand up and say, I've never been water baptized, they can become embarrassed because an acknowledgement that although they've been spiritual in other areas of their life, they were unspiritual in their obedience to follow Jesus in water baptism. It can be humbling to say, I should have done this a long time ago, but now you know what? I'm doing it now. But here's what I'd say. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and in the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Don't be embarrassed in baptism. You're in a room full of people that love you and want God's best for your life. Fourth reason for others is simply the pride of not wanting others to see them wet. 
I hear that. They're concerned their picture's gonna be taken and posted on Connection Point magazine. Number one, there is no Connection Point magazine. Number two, there never will be. So stop being concerned about others seeing you wet. Here's what I want you to know in baptism. Something happens when you cross the line of pride, when you make that decision to be obedient in all things, including water baptism. You step into the water, you're baptized, God smiles on you and declares over your life, this is my son, this is my daughter, of whom I'm well pleased, and everything is different in your life. That's baptism. You, in that moment, you say to God, God, I want to be obedient to you in all things more than anything else. I don't want to hold anything back. That's the step into baptism. I want you to follow the example of Jesus and be water baptized. And from that moment on, Torah already mentioned it in her testimony. What a great testimony. There is something markedly different about your life. God ushers in a whole new season. The fifth reason why some people aren't baptized is because they haven't really been saved. They really aren't a Christian. There's no moving of the Spirit in their heart that would compel them to fulfill the commands of Christ. I mean, Jesus makes it clear. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And baptism is one of the most basic commandments of Christian discipleship. So if someone has no compulsion, no internal drive to be baptized, you have to assume the Spirit of God is not dominating their heart And in all likelihood, they probably don't have a relationship with God. Because if you're happy living in disobedience to Jesus and intend to do that and to somehow think it's okay and it doesn't matter, it's likely you've not been born again. You don't have the fruit of salvation because you don't have the root of salvation. Now, with that being said, I'd like to answer four questions about baptism And I hope what it'll do is is if you've been baptized, it will help you grow in your knowledge of what water baptism is. And if you've not been baptism, I hope it encourages you to experience this amazing moment in your life. And the first very basic question is, what is water baptism? From a physical standpoint, it's a ceremony during which a person goes into a body of water. They're immersed, covered in, submerged into the water. That's what it is. The two words in the New Testament that are primarily used, bapto and baptizo, are used a combined total of 81 times. And it always means to completely, totally submerge or immerse. It is certain that immersion was a practice of the early church. And it's important to note that the context of these words in the New Testament, it never implies water being poured on a person. In other words, water being baptized onto an individual. Uh, We know that it was baptized into water. The word always inferred submersion, and it's obvious in the New Testament. Reading from Mark 1.5. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John. When they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His ministry was near the Jordan River because he wasn't sprinkling people. He was immersing them into the water. And then in John chapter 3, verse 23, here's what it says. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Aenon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. And then in Acts chapter 8, Philip encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. He leads him to a relationship with Jesus. And then reading in verse 36, it says, As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. 
they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Down into and up out of. This is what we see. Now the second question is, what is the purpose of baptism? What does baptism do? Water baptism is important for several reasons. Baptism is important because it's a public profession of your faith. Matt Zickman shared that as he spoke that over Abby. Baptism is important because you're obeying Jesus. You're following his commands, following in his footsteps. These are important reasons, but water baptism is also important because of the picture it gives us, not only what Jesus did, but what he's done in us. And baptism is important because I believe it introduces into our life a power of the Lord that has significant ramifications as we grow in knowledge of who Jesus is. It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Reading from Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. So the question is, what does it mean, fitting to fulfill all righteousness? I think it certainly merit that Jesus is never going to ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do. Jesus, it says in 1 Peter 21, he left us an example to follow in his steps. So for you and I to be baptized, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. He didn't need to be baptized, but he gave an example for us. But beyond that, I think the idea of it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness it has much more to do than merely the example, not to minimize the power of the example of Jesus. But if we're going to think in terms of fulfilling all righteousness, what does that mean? And I think we can answer that by thinking about how it is that Jesus fulfilled God's righteous requirement. And of course, we're celebrating that this week. What is it he did? He died on the cross. That's how he fulfilled that requirement. You know, here's an interesting statement by Jesus in Luke chapter 12. We're not there yet. We'll get there. And Jesus is now essentially six months from the cross. He was water baptized long before. And he says to the disciples in thinking about the cross, he says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it's accomplished. I mean, he could have said, why didn't he say, I have a crucifixion to be crucified with or I have a death to undergo. That's not what he said. And the reason why is because Jesus viewed his death on the cross and his resurrection as something that baptism was a perfect picture of. He saw his death as a baptism. So what Jesus is telling John at baptism is that my death and my resurrection will fulfill all righteousness. And my baptism will be a symbolic demonstration of what I will do on the cross when I die for the sins of the world and when I'm resurrected. So baptism then, when you're watching anybody, when you watch these two this morning, we're going to watch a couple of more. When a person goes down under the water, it's as if they've died. As the water goes over them, they're saying, my old self is dead. My former self is gone. And as they're raised up out of the water, they're raised to a newness of life. They experience resurrection. And that is something to celebrate. That's why when somebody comes up, you can't help but celebrate that moment. And we're not only illustrating what Jesus did for us, but we're illustrating what happened to us. At the cross, who did Jesus die for? For us, absolutely. And whose sin did he bear? Ours. He was sinless. Do you realize when you put your faith in Jesus in that moment, it's as if there's a time continuum between Jesus' death on the cross on Calvary 
and today it's being closed together, it's coming together. Because we die, Jesus takes our sins and that comes together in that moment. It's as if on the cross, because he bore your sin, you died with him. And when he was buried, you were buried with him. And when he rose that first Easter morning, you rose with him. At salvation, the Bible says we are in Christ. We are with Christ. We are joined to Christ. That moment you came to Christ, God put Christ in you and you died on the cross and rose to a newness of life. And you could be saying, well, that sounds very mystical, mysterious. How can I go back to the cross? That's not a problem for God. He's not limited or contained to time. When you came to Christ, the Bible says you died with him. You were buried with him. You were resurrected with him. Because he bore your sin, it was your sin on the cross. He didn't have any sin. He was punished for your sin and my sin. Now, think about this. Listen to what the Bible says. This is Romans chapter 6 in these terms. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. That's the scripture. So what happens is, it's not only a picture of what he did, it's a picture of what's happened to you. It's a picture of you being united with him. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we also are raised to life with him. In the words of 2 Corinthians 5, what Paul writes is, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, they have become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So you come out of the water and your declaration is, I'm new. Paul writes in Colossians, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. A picture of that burial and that new life you have in Christ with the new life and power to live for God and to enjoy God. So we move from that picture of baptism to also the presence of the Lord as he comes in a person in a powerful way. You see this in 1 Corinthians 10. Here's what Paul writes. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. So Paul is writing about the exodus of Israel from Egypt and how they're being pursued by their oppressors. I love this picture. But as they pass through the water, it becomes symbolic of baptism in Paul's illustration. They come through the other side of the Red Sea, no longer slaves but free, and the ones who held them in bondage are washed away by the water, and it's a whole new day for the nation of Israel. Isn't that an awesome picture of, of baptism? No longer slaves, set free from the bondage. That water washes and you're set free. Baptized into the cloud that represents the very presence of God. You know, baptism is not just a ritual we perform, but a powerful truth that we live in. It's not just something you check off your spiritual to-do list, but there is a power and a presence of the Lord that comes into our life of every single child of God at the point of our obedience with increasing glory. 
The more I obey Christ, the more I experience his presence, his power, his deliverance, his working in my life. And that is why I suggest there are many who are living in a state of knowing less of God's grace, less of God's power, and less of his working because of their disobedience. I want you to grasp that this morning. There are those who are living continually in a state of knowing less of God's grace, less of God's power, and less of his working because of their disobedience. But God doesn't want that to be. He wants you living in his fullness. At any point that you or I knowingly don't do the good we ought to, the Bible says it's sin. It's what James says in James chapter 4. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. At any point we choose not to obey God, or we delay our obedience to God, or we say that I'm not going to function in the thing that you've called me to do, it's at that point we end up with less in terms of his presence and his power working in and through our lives. And so it's for that reason, when a person participates in water baptism, they obey the Lord in its exciting moment. It's a day of presence. It's a day of deliverance. It's a day of new power and a fresh touch from the Spirit of God. It's a miracle moment. That's why we love baptism. The third question is, do you have to be baptized to be saved? I've been asked that. And sometimes what someone means by that is, does baptism save you? And the answer is no. Baptism does not save a person. Belief does. The relationship of salvation and baptism is the same as salvation and obedience. If you are saved, you'll obey Christ. One of the products of salvation, one of the fruits of salvation, is obedience to Jesus. If you're saved, you'll want to be baptized because baptism is a part of obedience to Christ. The early church understood this. On the day when Peter preaches the first sermon in Acts chapter 2, what happens? 3,000 people believed and 3,000 people are baptized. They understood that to be saved, it meant to be baptized. But unfortunately, what's happened is there's a disconnect in the contemporary church. If Peter preached today and 3,000 were saved, 1,000 would go and be baptized. 1,000 would go to lunch. 500 would go watch the game. 500, I'll do it whenever I feel like I'm ready for it. That's the response today. Shall that not be, though? That's not should be the response today. That kind of thinking is foreign to the New Testament. There's an immediacy, there's an urgency for water baptism. In the early church, baptism was virtually inseparable from salvation. Because if you got saved, man, you got baptized. In fact, baptism was so closely linked, it was even referred to as another way of salvation. Reading from Ephesians chapter 4, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Because it's through baptism you first demonstrated your salvation. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it means go and bring them to salvation, which is demonstrated by willingness to be baptized. So if you've not been baptized since you believe, you need to be. If you've, if, uh, to obey Jesus on this very basic level means you're limiting his work. If you don't obey on this very basic level, you're limiting God's work in your life. You can't say, Lord, Lord, and then not obey him in this very basic and simple command. He can't be your Lord if you're not obeying his commands. You simply can't say, no, Lord. Now, last question. You could ask, when should I be baptized? What a great question. When could you be baptized? 
According to the, uh, the Bible, water baptism isn't something you wait to do until it's convenient. You might say, it's not convenient for me today. The Bible would say, believe and be baptized. It's not something you wait to do until you understand it. Although after hearing the teaching, you should understand water baptism. Let's look at what happens throughout the book of Acts for the early church in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches on the south steps of the temple. After being filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what verse 37 says. Peter's word pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And then in Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria, and we find in verse 12, the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. And then in Acts chapter 9, a believer named Ananias, he visits Saul, who becomes Paul. And so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hand on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. He, was, he hadn't eaten for days, but what was more important than food? Baptism. He wanted to be baptized. And then in Acts 10, Peter goes to a Roman officer's house named Cornelius, tells him about Jesus, and in verse 47, can anyone object to their being water baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Saved in the middle of the night, baptized in the middle of the night. And then in Acts chapter 16, we read about the Philippian jailer who Paul and Silas witnessed to. And in verse 32, this is what we read. This is the one in the middle of the night, sorry. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them to the house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. They believed and they were baptized every single time. Why shouldn't you be baptized? Why wouldn't you be baptized? You must be water baptized to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And you have the opportunity today to believe and to be baptized. So don't wait. I know your life will never be the same. So we've got several other people this morning that are going to be water baptized, but we made preparations for anybody that's here today that wants to be baptized. You can respond to baptism today. We've got t-shirts and shorts and towels. So we're ready for you. So if you're here today and you want to be baptized, we want to baptize you this morning. We don't want you to wait until some other scheduled time. Be baptized today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we are going to move into a song here and transition into baptism. So we've got a couple of more planned baptisms. But we want you, if you're here today and you want to be baptized, we want you to be baptized today. No sense in leaving from this place. What a great Easter morning next week will be as you can walk in and say, I've been baptized. I know the power of the resurrection in my life today. So first I want to ask if you're here today and maybe the reason you've not been water baptized is you've not made a decision to follow Jesus. So it's hard to follow him in water baptism if you've not followed him in relationship. But you would say, you know what, I want to be living with God at the center of my life today. What could your life look like if God was at the center? How could your relationships be different with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers? 
Because Jesus changes everything. When he shows up, he changes everything. So I'm just going to, with every head bowed here this morning, I just want to ask, if that's you today, and you'd say, you know what? Up to this point, I've not made that decision, but I want to say yes to Jesus today. Simply raise your hand, and I just want to pray with you this morning that God could enter into your life in a new way, to make your life new today. Anybody that would say yes to Jesus today, I want to believe, and then you've got the option to be baptized here today. Anybody that would say yes to Jesus, we've got a hand up here in the front. Anybody else that would say yes to Jesus today? In the back over here, and to the left, anybody else that would say yes to Jesus, say, I want to have that relationship with God today. I want my life to be different. I don't want it to be the same. Well, here's what we'd like to do because we're going to continue with a couple of water baptisms. And for those that raise your hand, if if you want to be baptized today, today is your day. Believe and be baptized. You get to be the book of Acts today. So if you don't mind, if you said yes to Jesus this morning, just step out from where you're at. We've got people that'll pray with you, give you a Bible on where you go from here. And if you want to be baptized today, you can be baptized today. So for those couple that raise your hand, feel free to come. And anybody else that wants to make that decision, just come today. So if you made that decision, feel free to come down here and meet up with Pastor Mark. So Pastor Mark's up here in the front. Anybody else that would say, I want to come down this morning and just say yes to Jesus, know that you're in a room full of people that are for you and want to see you live in that relationship with God. So if there's anybody else as they exit out these doors, feel free to come. And we just want to celebrate you this morning. I know there's still some that are coming, so feel free to come. Anybody else? Second thing I want to ask, maybe you're here today and you've made that decision to follow Christ, but you've never been water baptized. Today is your day. Live in the power of the resurrection. Allow that water to wash over you and your past, your death, so that you can move into life today. All you need to do is step out from where you're at, come to the front, And we are prepared for you. Anybody that would say, I want to be baptized today, simply come. Let's come down here to the front now. Anybody to be baptized, feel free to come. Anybody else? We've got more. Let's go. We've got room. We've got got clothes. We're ready for you. Come be baptized today. We don't want anybody to miss out. As we continue on water baptism... We're going to sing and then we're going to baptize. As we're baptizing, if you want to be baptized, you simply go out this door. We've got clothes in the Bethel Chapel and you can be baptized today. So let's sing. Chris, lead us in song this morning.